your new kitchen afflicted with problems created by an architect? You'd better call Paul. Hello, Fahad. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Can you hear me okay? I hear you fine. Sounds great. Welcome to Calls with Paul. I have your design up in front of me. And is it an addition that's so part of the house is being added onto? Uh, no. Um, oh, okay. This, it, yeah, it's already there. We're just kind of redoing the kitchen. We, we kind of went from we want to do the countertops to we want to do the cabinet doors to let's just redo the whole thing. Generally, the only two philosophies that really make sense is to do as little as possible to make yourself happy with what you have or to do the whole thing from scratch only because once you start doing the doors and the countertops and if you're getting any new appliances, you're spending a huge proportion, possibly half at least of what you would have spent if you did it from scratch and you don't get mm. any of the benefits. You're, you're locked into a, the old design that usually can be dramatically improved on. And then you still have the old cabinets, even if you have new doors on them and you've spent half of what you would have spent to get a new kitchen and, and possibly get very little credit for it, at least when you go to sell your house. So probably a good idea to redo the whole thing. Sure. That being said, when I look at your design, there's a bunch of things that come up immediately as problems that architects create. First off, my, one of my pet peeves, I think you said you listened to one of my podcasts or whatever, with me complaining about architects. It's a, it's a, architects and kitchen designers complain about each other probably a lot. So for us, what we complain about is that architects, first off, don't know what constitutes good kitchen design. So they're creating designs a lot of times that aren't very functional or could be a lot better. But also they try to make it seem like they can do more than they really can. Part of that is the number of stools that you have in this design are, are ridiculously unrealistic. Each, okay. When each person sits at this island of yours, if you allow each person two feet of space, then their elbows will be touching each other. And if they try to eat that way, they'll be interfering with each other. Hopefully they're both the same, both left-handed or both right-handed. But certainly if you try to put more than two seats, that's just not even physically possible. The third seat would be two feet away. So, I mean, the three seats on the end, your countertop looks like it's about four feet long, maybe four feet, three inches long. Even, even under the most hopeful conditions, you're only going to fit two people on the end and you can just see that the whole thing is that sort of the same case with the other three seats on each side. So this island theoretically would sit six and never sit okay. nine. So that's the first thing before we even address other issues, just that that's really not realistic. I, I don't have measurements, so it makes it a little cool. hard to uh, to know. But if I'm, I'm just going to take your picture and sort of figure out around how long your island is. So if this is four feet, so if four centimeters is four feet, then your island is about 11 feet long. So the next thing that's unrealistic in this picture, I would tell you, is it will, it's unlikely you'll find a piece of granite or quartz that's 11 feet long. So sure. Most colors that you're going to find, most things that you're going to pick from, unless you want to 
splurge on a very limited amount of oversized slabs. Most, the longest, most slabs are, are 10 feet long. So 10 feet is the longest island that you theoretically could get. So those are just the two unrealistic things that come up. And then there's one more big one, which is how high are your ceilings? You know what? I, sh- I should have measured them before I got on this call, but I'm, I don't know off the top of my head. He, he did the measurements. I'm going I, I to guess that your ceilings are eight feet high from the designs. And so that's the other thing that's completely unrealistic is you can't put 10 pounds of sausage in a 10 pound wrapper that, you know, the, the poor contractor that's going to be installing your kitchen, he needs to level all the cabinets. And so uh, how old is your house? Your house looks relatively new. Is it uh, rel- how, what's the, when was it built? 1993. So it's relatively new, but even a house built in 1993, it's very unlikely that your ceilings are going to be that per, are going to be perfectly level. So what the sure. architect has done in this design is he has gotten you to get custom sized cabinets because cabinets come in different increments. If you were to do this design, he has your it looks like to me like he's got your cabinets with maybe ending about three inches away from the ceiling. So you'd be getting 39 inch high wall cabinets and unusual height custom cabinets. And then you'd have three inches of crown molding to reach the ceiling. But that all anticipates the fact that both of your floors and your ceilings are perfectly level. And that's not realistic either. So we need to have a little bit of play so that when they install your cabinets, you have a couple of long cabinet runs, even in this design that I don't like, which we'll get into in a second. But even in in any design that you're going to do, you're probably going to have some long cabinet runs. And if you only left enough room for a a three-inch molding, when the contractor put the cabinets in perfectly level, you'd find out that you'd have three inches in one place. And then all the way down at the other end, you might have two and a half inches or two and some other amount of inches. And so if you put the molding on top, it would look terrible because your eye would immediately be drawn to the fact that the molding was touching the ceiling in one place and either not fitting in the other, or if they lowered the whole cabinets down, it would be touching at its lowest point. And then at its highest point, you'd have a half inch or some kind of gap that would look ridiculous. So we always have to have a two piece crown molding. So what's going to happen is your ceilings are eight feet high. You're going to get 36 inch high wall cabinets instead of 39 inch high wall cabinets. And then in most cabinet brands, that will save you $5,000 in cabinets. So you'll save $5,000 in cabinetry because you won't have to be getting a custom size. And then you'll have two moldings on top of the cabinets, which will be much more attractive. One flat piece and then a, a larger crown than this really small crown that will ride up and down on the flat piece. Well, I did talk to him about this yesterday, and mm-hmm. partly it's my we kept saying, hey, can you raise the cabinets? We like space. And he said, look, the standard from the counter to the cabinet is 18. I've got yours at 22. It's already really high. So I kind of emailed like, you're right. I measured my current ones. It's only 18. We can bring it down. Mm-hmm. And then looking at the different pictures, I mean, I've seen where they've got cabinets and it hits the ceiling with the molding or, you know, you've just got the cabinet, like our current house, the cabinet ends, there's a space and then there's a ceiling. Is that kind of just personal taste? Because I don't mind having a space. Um, I would tell you that you're not, no one likes that anymore. So that's so outdated style wise. 
that, yeah. you know, you want to go all the, and it's not going to cost you any money to go up to the ceiling. And then also okay. you want to leave 18 inches between your countertops and your cabinets first so that they're more accessible to you yeah. so that you can, you know, reach the wall cabinets more easily. But then also then your cabinet, when you get 36 inch cabinets, then your cabinets will be able to have a two-piece crown molding to have it reach the ceiling. It won't be so hard finding all the sizes of everything that you're going to need. When customers reinvent the wheel, it's so complicated kitchen design that there's a hundred problems that you're going to encounter when you try to switch to 21 inches high. And the reality is, even if you're tall, you don't really need extra space. You just need all the, the proper amount. I mean, I, I know what is yeah. that? A relatively famous designer in Philadelphia who's now retired. Her design studio was right next to Villanova University, where the Philadelphia 76ers had their training facility. And so a lot of the Philadelphia 76ers basketball players all lived right around Villanova, where her design studio was. So she would get all the basketball players and, you know, half of them would be six feet, eight, seven feet tall, everything else. And they all wanted to, because they're very tall, a lot of times they wanted to make their base cabinets higher or make their mm -hmm. wall cabinets higher off the floor and everything else. But appliances all come in certain sizes. And then you, when you try to do that, make your base cabinets higher. Now your stove is sunk down, your dishwasher has a space, all kinds of strange things start happening. When you raise them up, the same kind of things happens. And what she would tell the basketball players is, it's not going to work and you're going to get traded anyway. And then your house, you won't be able to sell your house. And, nice. and that usually convinced them not to do it. So I would tell you, yeah. don't just keep things standard sizes. Not only will you save a ton of money because everything's a standard size, but everything will work a lot better too. So, sure. no, you can, yeah. so that's my, that's my complaints about realism. But yeah. now if we get to down to the, uh, well, I guess I have one more complaint about realism, which is that one of the definitions of a successful kitchen design generally is if it looks like every, if it looks like your home was designed for this kitchen, it will be attractive. Mm -hmm and people will like it. If it looks like what the design is, is here's the space that I had, and here's how I jammed a lot of the things that I liked and a whole bunch of cabinetry into it. That's a sort of a design failure. And everybody that walks oh. into the room will appreciate that. And so I, I would say that your little banquette falls under that category. Oh, no. As things stand now, it's again unrealistic. I don't have the dimensions. But yeah. the one wall that you have coming down on when you're facing the banquette on the left side. So that wall you can measure and you can sort of figure out if it works. But the seat on the back wall is going to have to be at least 18 inches deep. And then that person's legs will be sticking out. And then the next person that sits over has to be far enough away from that other person and far enough down that they can sit on that wall to the right when you're facing the island, the wall that's to the right of the island. If you're looking at it, that's the wall's a little bit shorter than it is on the other side. And so yeah. I, I don't know if when you put the table in place, that person is going to have enough wall to really sit, or you could close up the big, huge opening that you have there. Um, I don't know, are you mm -hmm. opening that opening up or is it already exists that way now? 
No, that doesn't exist that way now. Uh, if, yeah, I don't know if it's clear in the in the photos from the from the real listing, but mm-hmm. right now there's like archways there with some with with a big pillar right in the middle of that opening. So part of the this modeling is is putting a beam up and getting rid of these these columns and these archways. So, so we do have some flexibility, uh, I guess, when when it comes to that wall. Yeah. So you, if you wanted to do the banquet, you would just have to make that opening shorter and leave yourself more wall around the same amount of wall that you have on the other side. But then the other thing is the whole house was designed for a table in the bay. And when you put this funny banquette in there, you create this whole big area of space that you're not using in any way, unless you're dancing or doing something other in your kitchen other than eating. I would just say that everybody likes a banquette. They saw pictures of a banquette that they thought they really liked. The banquette that they saw pictures of probably was in a home where the banquette really worked. In your home, yeah. you have an area that's already been sort of predetermined as a good place to have the table. Are those sliding doors existing now? Or are they French doors? <laughs> or the architect probably wants them to be French doors. They, they already are. Well, no, no, <laughs> they already are French doors. They already are French doors. So, and they're yeah. opening in as normal French doors do. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I would say you move your table to in front of the window, you make them not French doors because the last architect that you worked with made them or whoever built the house put French doors there. French doors hurt your home in that they eat up space and you can't have them open and have a screen that's there very easily. And then they're sticking out when they're opened and they're in your way. If they became French looking sliders instead, then your table could go in your bay. You'd make the facing the doors, you'd make the left door the side that would be sliding and you could have divided light like a French door does, but then you'd slide the door over. You could have it open and have air coming in through a screen. And then your door and your table and everything else wouldn't be interfering with each other. And you wouldn't have these doors when they're open, jutting out into the room and blocking possibly people's ability to sit down and to utilize the space for the bump out. Sure, sure, sure. So, so um, yeah, I like that, yeah. That's all of my reality criticism. Now, just as far as good kitchen design goes, one of the ways we rate how well a kitchen is designed is what if we shaded your countertops according to how much they got used? what would those countertops look like? And so if we said white was never used and red was used all the time, a really well-designed kitchen will have pink countertops. There'll be a reason why you're at all the different places where there's countertop in your kitchen and will make people spaced out. It will make your kitchen functional. And a really poorly designed kitchen will have a bright red spot where all the 90% of the work happens and then all the rest of the countertops will be a very light pink. Well, you have one of those kitchens. You have a huge bright red spot between the sink and the stove where you've got about three feet of countertop where most of the time, if you're cooking or you're cleaning, whatever you're doing, you're using three feet of countertop and then this gigantic island that you have and all the countertop you have to the right of the stove 
is just going to be used a lot less frequently. And for a number of reasons, sure. one, that the countertop that's all the way on the end, when the refrigerator door opens, that hits anybody that's standing there. And if you go to the, the stove and you go to the right and you cut and chop on the right of the stove, that will be good. But anytime that you want to get water or rinse something off, you'll be running back to the left side of the stove. So you'll probably settle doing your work if you're cooking, cutting and chopping at the left so you can scrape stuff off into the sink or whatever. We work sort of between our sink and our stove. So that's why we, yeah. we, what we want to do is get your, your sink, your stove, and your refrigerator as far apart as possible. So having them to the sink and the stove so close together is a bad thing. The other thing with the island is if you're going to go back to putting your table, not have your banquette, then you'll have a bigger table. I don't know that it's so important that you sit on every side of the island. And that makes your island a little bit more functional because everybody won't get to face each other, but then you won't have people sitting into the area where you might have a lot of traffic flow, which is in between the cabinets that you have, the 12-inch deep sort of strange drawers on the bottom and gigantic doors that are on top on that other section. So... I would think that that other section would be a much better place for your refrigerator, but not if you're going to be sitting into it, maybe you may, you might want to give up. I don't, if I don't have the dimensions, so I don't, you, you won't have to really, if you're going to have an area that you're going to sit into a refrigerator, you really need to leave at least 45 inches from the face of the refrigerator doors to the Island. So I'm not sure if you have that, but I would move my refrigerator down to that area and put pantries maybe on either side of the refrigerator so to make that whole area deeper and built in. And then I would move my stove to the wall where your, your refrigerator currently is so that I got my refrigerator, my sink and my stove far away from each other. Oh, wow. Okay. Very interesting. Yeah. And you can really move the refrigerator anywhere you want. You could put the refrigerator all the way to the left once you move it over. And then you could have big pantries to the right of it that would give yeah. you more storage. And then the refrigerator wouldn't be so far away. It would be, you know, relatively close. It would only jump over that doorway. What does that go to? Um, uh, your garage or a mudroom? Yeah. So yeah, we jump, just jump across to the other side, or some people would put maybe one pantry cabinet there and then the refrigerator. But if you have the refrigerator, you certainly want to have the whole refrigerator encased in cabinetry. You want the depth of the cabinetry. You don't want your cabinets jutting out. You don't want your refrigerator jutting out from your cabinetry. You want to make those cabinets 24 inches deep and you want a panel. If you're going to move the refrigerator all the way to the left there, you want a panel on the side of the refrigerator, building the refrigerator in. And then will be another thing that will be good is that will allow you right now in this design, there's no place to have a light switch as you're entering that hallway. So you'll also be able to have countertop on the other side of your stove and be able to have a light switch or whatever if you wanted to go down that hallway that you could turn on or turn off or have it a two-way switch or whatever but to have tall cabinets going all the way to the end on each side of the hallway, just is gonna make it a little bit, feel a little bit claustrophobic 
and you also won't have a, a place for even a light switch. Whereas when your stove moves to where your refrigerator wall, where your refrigerator is now, you'll it will be more open on the end. So when you're coming down the hallway, if you wanted to put something down as you entered the room, you'll have countertop to the right of your or to the right side of your stove that you could put something down on, and it will be more open when you come through. Mm, okay. So then the stove wouldn't be exactly where the fridge is, but basically, but on that side. You know, centered sort of, you want the doors on either side of the stove to sort of be symmetrical. So we'll have, you have, we'll have to figure out, you need them dimensions to do this, but you figure out exactly how much space you have. And like the way the architects got it, again, he's having the cabinets come all the way down, like flush with the wall. Well, even your wall won't be perfectly level. And so you want that you want to have what's called a reveal. You want your cabinets and your countertops to end about an inch from the end of the wall, just so that countertops die into the wall. The cabinet isn't flush with the wall, but everything has a little bit of a space. So you don't see how things, how you don't see if anything is crooked. So what you'd have is you'd have your stove and then one cabinet on the right, maybe 18 inches wide with an 18 inch countertop on the right side of the stove. So that handles of your pots and pans could all turn out over the countertop on the right side and they wouldn't be jutting out into space would be, which would be incredibly dangerous. And then you'd have countertop there. Then you'd have your stove. Then you'd have whatever countertop was left on your left. And then you'd also have this really long countertop now that you could be working at in between your sink and your stove. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I have one question about sure. if we move the, to where those large cabinets are, I mean, those cabinets are shallower right now. And then that wall, uh -huh. you know, if you look at each door and, and, and where the wall is, I'm just wondering if that fridge is going to stick out too much because in, behind those cabinets is a utility room where there's a washer dryer and all of that. Stuff. Well, it looks like in the picture that the wall is even. The fact that the wall is even is you have your, the only problem, your refrigerator is still jutting out as close to your island as it's going to be when I move your right. refrigerator. The only difference right. is that if you're sitting there, you might not have as much room. And then when you get sure. to the end, they have the old fashioned wall that's on the end there jutting out. You could keep that. And then the, if you wanted to, Personally, I would just eliminate that little wing of a wall and, you know, have my pantry cabinets go all the way back. But if you want to save money, if that wall exists that way now, then you have the pantry cabinets come all the way down to that wall. And then you have to put a filler in there or slide things down so the pantry's up against it. And then the pantry juts out, you know, another eight inches past the end of that wall. And then the molding on top of the pantry will come around the the pantry cabinets and die into the end of that wall that's to the right and it will look good yeah yeah i think that would look good um and that's you interesting decide, because you have to just decide if you can live without the chairs that would be on the refrigerator side but without the dimensions exactly it's hard for me to know if it would still work with the chairs there or not also sure. the other thing too is if you, it didn't, you could also make your island a little narrower, although your island probably looks better wider. So if you made your island a little bit 
narrower than you wouldn't sit two on the end of the island. You would all suddenly only sit one. But um, you know, you have to wrestle with that, and you really need the exact. We need the exact dimensions to sort of figure out if that works. Yeah. No. I mean, I I think either way it would be okay. If we couldn't sit there, we probably could live with that. Um, this is really i'm really glad i called this is really good information yeah and then the other thing is you have to get to somebody you have to get to a kitchen designer too because there's so much information that we have that anybody that doesn't design kitchen for a living doesn't have even in this design they've got drawers coming out of the corners so that the whole corner of the room there is dead so you're not utilizing that corner space and then if you put handles on the, and knobs on the drawers, it doesn't even look like there's enough spacers, enough fillers, so that when you pull the drawers out, they're going to hit the, the handles and the knobs on the other drawers. So right. we, you don't, you know, we design, <laughs> the kitchen designers have learned instantly when they first started their job, not to have everything hit, things hit each other. So we're trying to do things symmetrically. We're trying to do lots of stuff, but we also know how the, the cabinets that we're selling actually function and so you know you you want you want to have them help you like even the little drawers that you have between the dishwasher and the stove they're look like they're maybe 12 inches wide so a kitchen designer that's any good would never sell a drawer cabinet that was 12 inches because the inside of the drawer would only be seven inches wide i don't know what you're going to do with these three narrow tiny drawers on the side of the stove that probably should be a cabinet that's for cookie sheets and trays that has one door that opens in that particular case. Yeah, yeah, that or, I'd already pull out. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, that's kind of we'd already spotted that and, and kind of had the idea. I mean, I don't want to, um, you know, the architect's kind of working with us, and but we're treating it as uh, a layout, not so much as this is actually what we're going to do. Yeah. But now, obviously. Talk- I'm seeing that even that, you know, we need to make some adjustments because even though no, you need to make major adjustments and then there's in all kinds of the most important information that you don't get from when you're working with somebody that's not a kitchen designer is the person yeah. has no idea what stuff costs. So they're, yeah. they're, you know, besides the fact that you're not going to be able to put your molding up, besides the fact that you're not going to fit these number of chairs, besides the fact that the whole design is unrealistic and has other problems. <laughs> The biggest problem is it the design itself has catapulted you into cabinetry that might be unnecessarily $10,000 more expensive than it needs to be. And so sure. the kitchen designer, and you don't have the pricing yet. So you're like make, having discussions and making decisions and nobody said to you, this kitchen's gonna cost X. So like I can look at your kitchen, where are you located? Uh, I'm in Dallas. Okay, so you're in Dallas. I have no idea what the pricing is in Dallas, but it, it, if I had a guess, I'd say it's probably maybe a tiny bit more expensive than Philadelphia. Let's say we don't know, but I can look at your kitchen and I can say, if you did the cabinetry the way it's done here, not only doesn't it work, but in order to do this, you'd have thirty-five to $40,000 minimum of cabinetry versus when you switch to 36-inch high cabinets, with two-piece crown moldings, when you redo this design, you could still be, you know, if you got custom cabinets and very expensive cabinets, the kitchen would be far more attractive, but it might be a similar amount of money in cabinets, 
Or now, because you're at standard sizes, you could get cabinets that were just as well made and they might be more like in the mid 20s or high 20s. So sure. you know, maybe you're going to save at least $10,000 in cabinetry, depending on the door styles and the finishes that you like. But this looks like it's designed in like a white shaker door style. That kind of door style was the most popular door style in the world. Every kitchen, every brand is going to have it. So you could be in a relatively inexpensive, well-made brand and probably be able to get everything that you need. Okay. And then the other thing, you'll find out that things like the cabinets that you have with all the drawers underneath, those don't exist, right? You can't get a cabinet door that's three feet wide. Nobody will sell that. And the reason is it would warp instantly. So no cabinet brand, even the most expensive custom cabinet brands would ever warranty that cabinet. So even though they're custom cabinets and they'll do anything you want, they won't do crazy. You, you just can't order things that don't make any sense. And some of the stuff here just sort of, you know, falls under that category too. As a kitchen designer, the kitchen designers will know instantly that they can't even order that or get that thing made. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was planning, I actually have already contacted because I saw your list of mm -hmm. other other kitchen designers in, in, the, in the country, you know, that you recommend based on what you've seen in the house. So there's one in Dallas that you'd recommend it who I've already contacted. I haven't managed oh, okay. to speak to them properly. Yeah. So yeah, one thing is, is um, you know, that's us trying to help you out. I mean, I don't know those places personally sure, or anything, sure. but we've looked at their brands that they carry. And then so we uh -huh. see that they carry brands that we think are pretty good. And then we've looked at their designs that they showcase on house.com, which is sure. like the platform that most kitchen design people list most of their kitchens. Like our website, I think, has 10 different kitchens in our gallery or something like that but our house page has 110 so wow. you can look at most kitchen places and you'll, you'll see all their work or a lot of their work on their house page and most companies when you look at their house page have all kinds of mistakes all over the place so when we looked at that company in dallas they didn't showcase any mistakes which eliminates 80 percent of all the companies that are on house, you know, are showcasing mistakes. So you're in the top 20% of the, the kitchen places doing that. And then we know that they have cabinets that range from inexpensive brands to expensive brands, which is a good thing. Some places only want to cater to rich people. And so they only sell <laughs> very expensive cabinetry. But a lot of times those designers aren't even as good because they only work with one brand. They learn less and they don't know how to be versatile and they don't know how to save you money because they're only working with one cabinet brand instead of a bunch of brands. And then lastly, we just checked and made sure that whatever cabinet company we're recommending doesn't have a whole lot of bad reviews on Google or Yelp or anything like that, that they're, they, they yeah. have a good reputation. So at any rate, that's how we rated them. So hopefully you can let us know or shoot us an email or something if you have a good experience. Oh, absolutely. No, yeah, I really appreciate the, that you've made yourself available like this. You know, this is, I think for most people doing this, it might be the first time you've done it or the second time, and you don't really know as a consumer what, what you're doing. So without this kind of advice, it would be so much more difficult. Um, is there anything else in this that stands out to you? Or do you think we covered the main? The main what's, the what's the outside of your house made out of? 
Uh, it's brick and siding. The side where the kitchen sink is, is it brick or siding there? That's brick. So if it had been siding, it would have been yeah. really nice and really easy to make the window where the sink is like a double window instead of a single window. So that especially yeah. since the stove is moving down, it could have been a much more attractive window area where you were working at looking out the window. But I, I think with brick, it's a big pain in the neck and it's hard to make it come out right in the end. Yeah, I mean, the window is actually in some sort of casement, but I don't know if that casement is wide enough to expand to uh, to a double window. Because actually the, the window that's there right now, if you look in the photos, it's, it's a tiny window. I don't know. At least let's... I was trying to find this is... Oh, this is the real estate photos right here. Let's see. I think if you go to photo six out of the 36, you can see how the kitchen currently looks and the window is really small. Yeah, but I'm looking, I'm trying to see the outside of the house. There's no photo oh, of the no. back of the house, it looks like, right? Yeah, no, there isn't. Yeah, that's the size. Oh, and yeah, it, this is your next door neighbor, I guess. Probably. It's a big pain in the neck to redo the brick on the back of the house. So I don't know sure. if you want to move, you know, move the window. I mean, you have to cut out, you have to put a steel lentil in, like a little beam. Then you'd have to either refinish the brick or have some kind of what's called brick molding covering the cut in the brick that you had to do. So it's starting to get, you know, if you had a stucco house or a sided house, changing the size of the window would be so easy. It would just be almost mm. automatic. Mm. Yeah, other than that, I think go talk to the kitchen people and then you can come back yeah. another day and then we can take a look at what they've done. It will probably, or things will have changed a lot and you'll you'll sure. be operating at a dip from a different perspective and we can tweak that yeah. thing and make it a little bit better okay yeah that sounds really good thank you yeah sure that's what we do so let me move on to my next uh caller fahad and then maybe we'll talk to you again sometime all right thank you bye okay good talking to you all right bye-bye thank you for listening to the mainline kitchen design podcast with nationally acclaimed kitchen designer paul mcillary this podcast was brought to you by Brighton Cabinetry, high-quality custom cabinetry at competitive prices. For more on kitchen cabinets and kitchen design, go to www.mainlinekitchendesign.com.